Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew once again, Matthew chapter number 28. And uh, for some time now, we have been in a series on the Great Commission. And uh, for many weeks now, I've, I've actually lost count of how many uh, messages on the Great Commission that we've done so far. But for many weeks, we've at least started in Matthew chapter number 28. And uh, then we have uh, looked at different aspects of the Great Commission. And we'll do so again this morning. While you're finding Matthew chapter number 28, let me encourage you to be back in the service tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll have a good time in church tonight. I checked the calendar, and Memorial Day doesn't start till tomorrow, so I want to remind you of the service tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll look forward to what the Lord has for us, and I want to share my heart this morning. God's doing some things in our ministry, in this church, and I want to just reflect on the goodness of God tonight and let you know some other things that God is doing and uh, where that'll take us in the, uh, the months ahead, and so be back in the service tonight. We'll do things a little bit differently, uh, but I think you'll be blessed. Blessed by it. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. <clears throat> Jesus, of course, is speaking to the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This morning, we're going to start here in these two verses, and then uh, we'll read from a couple of different passages this morning. But I want to speak on this subject, the heart of the Great Commission. The heart of the Great Commission. We've looked at different aspects of the Great Commission. Uh, we've looked at the compassion of the Great Commission. Uh, we've looked at uh, several different uh, uh, viewpoints of the Great Commission. But this morning, I want us to focus on the heart of the Great Commission. Father, I pray that you would use your word once again uh, your word is an inexhaustible tool, an inexhaustible source of wisdom. And Father, this morning, may once again, this passage of Scripture uh, lead us to a conclusion uh, that uh, allows us to be a greater witness for you, allows us to do more for you. Father, I pray this morning that if there is one unsaved, they've never settled their salvation, may today be their day of salvation. May they realize their need of a Savior. May they realize they cannot save themselves. A church or religion cannot save them, but only through faith in Christ and what He did on Calvary bring salvation. Father, may those of us who are the redeemed, who've already put our faith and trust in Christ, may we be reminded once again of not just the responsibility, but the opportunity we have to make a difference in the life of someone else. And Father, may we be challenged as your church. May we be obedient as your church to fulfill this great commission. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As of now, those who have uh, been here uh, for the, during this study, we understand that this is a command of Christ that he gives the church before he ascends back to heaven. He has fulfilled the purpose for which he came. He came to pay the price for man's sins. Aren't you thankful that Christ came to pay for our sin debt? The alternative would be you and I paying for our sin debt in that horrible place called hell. Boy, that thought right there, it ought to weigh on us, and we ought to rejoice this morning as forgiven, redeemed, because Christ paid our sin debt for us. As he meets with his church before he ascends to heaven, he gives this commission or this command. We know it to be three different parts and three different parts of this command. He first commands the church to win the lost. Win those that do not know Christ to present the gospel, to 
compel them to choose Christ for their salvation. After winning the loss, we're to baptize converts. I remind you once again that as a, a new creature in Christ, as someone who's trusted Christ, it is important, and Christ issued this command, this commission, for us to identify with the one who saved us. It's a public declaration of our faith in Christ. If you've never been saved this morning, I want to urge you, I plead with you today to put your faith in Christ. If you've been saved and never scripturally baptized, Jesus felt it important enough to commission His church to baptize new converts as that public declaration of our faith in Christ. I just believe that if we're a Christian, if we're a child of God, we should be more excited to let people know we've been saved than our political affiliation. More excited to let people know we're saved than our, than our sports affiliation. Uh, we, we're, we're associated with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So he issues that command to baptize converts. Then there's the third aspect, and that's to disciple new Christians. Well, if you're saved this morning and you've been baptized, it's a, it ought to be a humbling and sobering thought that God wants us to grow in our Christian life. He wants us to become more like His Son. And not to go into it totally this morning, but when we are saved, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us, and it is through the Spirit of God that we can become more like the one who saved us. Boy, this world needs more of God's people to look more like Jesus than a political figure, more like Jesus than a sports figure, certainly more like Jesus than a Hollywood figure. Well, we need Christians to grow in their faith in Christ. He commissions the church to go and win the lost, to baptize those new converts and to disciple new Christians. In order for us, the church, to be effective in this command, we must uh, obey and understand the, the heart, capture the heart of the Great Commission. Yes, we must be obedient to the command of Christ. However, when we capture the heart of the Great Commission, we will be more passionate pursuing that obedience. Yes, we should obey what Christ has commanded, but when we understand the heart that is behind what Christ has commissioned us, there should be more passion in pursuing that obedience. The reason many churches do not fulfill the Great Commission is because they're disobedient. Quite frankly, I'll just say what needs to be said. If a church is not pursuing the lost to reach them, that church is disobedient to Christ. If a church is not trying to help new Christians grow in their faith, they are disobedient to Christ. Likewise, there are many who fail, because not necessarily because they're disobedient, but they fail to see the fail to understand the, or grip the heart of the Great Commission. See, that threefold command that to win the lost, there needs to be some passion of God's people to win the lost. There is a heaven and a hell, and every man will go to one of those two places. The only thing that I can say, and my faith and confidence is in the only reason I'll never spend a moment in that horrible place called hell is not because of my goodness, it's not because of my good works, it's not because of my worthiness, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and without that, man has no hope. You and I, as the church, should be passionate about winning the lost. We should be just as passionate about that new Christian identifying with Christ, confessing that faith in Him. You and I, and I believe this is not just the church has failed in the Great Commission overall, but especially in this third area of discipling new Christians, helping them grow. The Bible likens someone who puts their faith in Christ as a babe in Christ. And we bring that baby home from the hospital, and I hope you don't do this. Be frustrated as a new parent to give that newborn, here's your chores. Bless God, I'm old-fashioned. You're going you're gonna to earn your keep around here. Well, that babe has to grow. Then the babe gets to be two or three, and you say, well, this is what I want you to do. Well, they should just know, shouldn't they? No, they have to be taught. Over and over and over again. You'll find it amazing. At 18, you're still teaching the same thing over and over and over again. Then why is it is the church get frustrated and the church give up on a new Christian when they don't just know everything that Bible says? They don't just know everything that a child of God is supposed to do. Somebody taught you, somebody taught me, somebody was patient with you, somebody was patient with me. We are to be patient in trying to help others learn how to be the Christian they should be. The reason why I believe we failed is not because of sincerity in most cases. It doesn't even come from a heart of disobedience in many cases. But we fail to capture the heart of the Great Commission. You cannot capture the heart of the Great Commission if you do not capture the God, the heart of the God who gave the commission. Quite frankly, the church is too interested today, generally speaking, in in, in uh, uh, being socially, uh, uh, having social justice and being relevant in this world and taking the heart of the God who has commissioned it to reach the world with the gospel of the Great Commission. This isn't popular, but the church is more passionate today about a political affiliation than we are with man coming to know Christ. Uh, and I say this all the time, I'll just say it again for good measure. If a man is born again and the Spirit of God is in them, then there's a very good chance that they might vote the way that God would vote. We must be passionate about the Great Commission, the heart. I'm just going to give you four thoughts this morning. Think of the heart of the Great Commission. Number one, the Great Commission comes from a heart of love. I'll read you the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. You and I are part of that world. We say this, and we know it's true, but this morning, if we can, I would like for the weight of these words to weigh on us for a moment. 
For God so loved the world. We say this and sometimes it sounds tried and it sounds cliche. We'll say, God loves you. Well, this person's mad at me and this person doesn't love me and these people forsake me. And we like, I don't know what to say. Well, I just tell them God loves them. God loves you. But friend, the thought that the Almighty God, the God who's above all things, the God who spoke the world into existence, the God who put the stars with, with the power behind His voice and named the galaxies, and what my Bible tells me, that He didn't just put all the stars in place. He named them. That God loves you. Well, we live in a world today that is full of hate. That is true. Where there's an absence of God, you find an absence of love. For God so loved the world. Boy, this is going to be nothing new this morning, but I believe it will be a good reminder for God's church, for you and I today. That if God loved the world, we're to love the world. If God loves our neighbors, we should love our neighbors. But pastor, I, they, don't, they, they don't have the same political leaning of, as I do. Boy, it's about to get crazy as if it hasn't been crazy. It would be, well, I'm a Republican and they're a Democrat. Now it's, I'm a this Republican, and they're a this Republican. For God so loved the world. You and I, if we're going to have the heart of God, we should love people in spite of where they're wrong, whatever failures they may have, because let's be honest, God sure loves us in spite of our failures. God sure loves us in spite of us being wrong. God sure loves us in spite of our mistakes and our wrong position. God didn't put any conditions on his love. And if you and I, as part of his church, is going to fulfill the Great Commission, we're going to reach the world with the gospel. We must have the heart that's behind the Great Commission, and that is a heart of love. I still believe you can stand firmly on that book. You can stand firmly on the principles of God's word and you cannot not bend as the church should not bend to the culture of this world, but you can still love the world that God loves. How are you going to reach the world if you don't love it? How are we going to reach those that live in our city if we don't have the same heart as the God who sent his son? This morning, perhaps if you're here in the service, or maybe uh, there are some watching by live stream or perhaps listening by radio this morning, and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, maybe you wonder, could I be saved? Could I be forgiven of my sins? Could I, uh, could I change my way? Let me tell you, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves you so much in spite of your sin, in spite of your wrongdoing, in spite of what you may have done, to send Jesus to pay that price for you. God's not letting anybody off the hook. God's justice demands that, that that sin is paid for. So he sent his son to pay for your sin. He sent his son to pay for my sin. He sent his son to pay for the sin of the world. Why would God do that? For God so loved the world. 
boy, we're going to reach the world. If we're going to win the loss, we must have the same heart, and it comes from a heart of love. Secondly, we consider the heart of the Great Commission. We must be reminded that it's an act of compassion. It comes from a heart of love, but it's also an act of compassion. In the book of Jude, verse 22, the Bible references that in of some have compassion, making a difference. The gospel is the most powerful thing on this planet. The word of God is a supernatural book. The church has been empowered by God, and that book tells me that the gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. If the gates of hell shall not prevail, a political party is not going to prevail, a movement is not going to prevail, it's the most powerful institution that has ever been created. But it is important that with that institution, there are those that have compassion. Because that makes a difference. That same passage of scripture references so some references that some are pulled out of the fire with fear i'll tell you as a child when i heard of of the gospel story and i heard of how jesus died on the cross and and he say he paid for my sins so that i would have to go to that place called hell i'm just going to be honest with you i was afraid of hell i didn't want to go there and i and i can tell you i turned to christ and i looked to him and said would you please forgive me because i knew i deserved to go there i was afraid to go there and i'll be one of those that just says pull me out of the fire i don't ever want to have to spend a moment there but there's some as the act of compassion. And by the way, when you preach the truth in a message, it comes from the heart of compassion. When you tell someone that because of their sins, they're hopeless without Christ, that's compassion. What kind of a individual if they somebody came to them with a ailment with a sickness that a simple medicine would cure them of. And they didn't tell them because they didn't want to hurt their feelings. What kind of a doctor would that be? But yet we as the church, we have the answer. It comes from an act of compassion. Friend, this is really a, a message to the church, and it ought to be a challenge to us. We have the truth. It's God's Word. We should have more faith in this book than the things we actually see with our eyes, because this is more real. We have the truth. Nothing in this world is true outside of this book. This is a, we have the truth, we it's a supernatural book. God's Word is everlasting. But let me tell you what's missing in our world and in our churches today. Not just the truth, but it's when a church has the truth, but they don't have compassion to go with the truth. So we live in a day today where you have rhetoric on this side, you have rhetoric on this side. But you know what's needed? We need some compassion. I'll remind you the definition of compassion. It is a suffering with another. Painful sympathy. It is a mixed, 
passion compounded of love and sorrow. Jesus, our Lord, was moved with compassion. It was more than just love. It was love with sympathy. It was love with sorrow. He was moved with compassion. He loved them, but because He was God, He knew their needs. He knew their burdens. He knew the the groanings of their spirit. He knew of the things that they needed in their life, and He was sympathetic towards their needs. He, He was moved, meaning it wasn't just enough to say, I love you, but He could put Himself where they were. I think of Lazarus who died and Jesus went and he bid Lazarus come and it said Jesus wept. He didn't weep because Lazarus was dead because Jesus is the giver of life. And when Jesus would speak those words, Lazarus come forth, Lazarus would rise from the dead and Lazarus would come forth. He's eternal life. He wept because he knew that his sisters were weeping. He wept because he knew the plight of man. He was moved with compassion. Let me tell you what will make a difference in this world. Let me tell you what will make a difference in your family. Let me tell you what will make a difference in our community is for God's people to have the heart of the Great Commission and have a heart of love, but realize it's also an act of compassion. I must be moved with it. I must have some love compounded with sorrow and sympathy. I must place in my own mind what it would be like to be lost and on my way to hell. I must place in my own mind what it would be like to be burdened with, with the needs that others have, ha- have. And we must be moved with compassion. It's an act of compassion. When you give the gospel, it's compassionate. When you... Help someone take that next step in their Christian life. It's an act of compassion. This kind of preaching that I'm doing this morning is often unpopular, but it is, say, I just want to go to a church with love. Do you want to go to a church that is okay with you going to hell? You, You want to go to a church that's okay with you not getting closer to Christ? Why? If it's, my kids are going to... No, tell them what is right. Tell them the truth. It's compassion. Number three, we consider the heart of the Great Commission. I'll say thirdly, it takes the time to notice. Jeremiah chapter number... I'm sorry, Lamentations chapter number one in verse number 12. The entire chapter of... Uh, chapter number one of Lamentations... There's an identification of the condition of the city of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is describing the filth, the adversity, all of these things. Then we come to verse number 12. He writes these words, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me. Wherefore the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. He writes, is is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Boy, the heart of the Great Commission takes the time to notice. Will you allow me to help us this morning?
You're not the only one with problems. You're not the only one with burdens. You're not the only one with heartache. It doesn't matter how busy you are. You're not the only one busy. But if Christ commissioned us as his church to win the lost, to baptize converts, to disciple Christians, we have a responsibility to pay attention to those around us. You realize that person that works in that service industry that was curt to you has a soul? You realize the reason why somebody might have been rude, might have been their burden, that you don't know they have? Oh, that person you go to church with that just seems to be, you know, just a little bit distant or just a little bit. There's a lot of reasons for that. But, but could we get to a place where we could understand? Well, maybe I should take the time to notice. And maybe if I put a smile on my face, it might make a difference. Maybe if I get out of my little bubble and walked across the auditorium and spoke to somebody who was sitting by themselves, maybe that would make a difference. Maybe if I would leave my, my, my uh, driveway and my, my house and walk down the door or two to that grumpy neighbor that's down there and, and gives everybody the stink eye when they come by. Maybe if I walked by and said, how you doing today? Maybe if I could do an act of kindness to them. Maybe I should notice and pay attention that maybe the reason that they're that way is there's never anybody else that you see coming in and out of there. But we got to pay attention. Pastor, we're busy. Oh, we're busy. The question this morning, is it nothing to all you that pass by? The church sometimes is too busy in its schedule to realize that the purpose of the church is not in our schedule. It's in people. It's in souls. Sometimes the church is too busy in social causes to be involved in spiritual causes. I have no problem trying to help the physical needs of man, but the most important thing is the spiritual needs of man. Sometimes Christians are too entangled with the affairs of this world to notice souls. That's why, quite frankly, as the pastor, I work very hard at balancing the schedule with fellowship and all these other things, because fellowship is good for you. Fellowship is necessary for the church. Iron sharpeneth iron. We need friendships. We need encouragement. We need, we need all of those things. But the priority of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission. I think this would be a good challenge for all of us today, is to notice somebody we probably wouldn't notice if we hadn't have made it point to notice them. I don't think I can say that again, but you get the point. Is to make an effort today. Say, I know how busy. I mean, I know tomorrow's a holiday. I'm going to be busy this week. May I slow down a little bit? 
and notice the people around me. Notice the neighbors. Notice the in, in take uh, inventory of the encounter that I have when I'm in public, when I'm in a store, when I'm, when I'm at work. I think there's a lot of times that God would open a door for us to be a witness if we just looked for one. I think there's a lot of times God would open the opportunity for us to be an encouragement and a blessing if we just looked for one. Pastor, I just don't know if I can, I'm going to need somebody to encourage me. Let me tell you how to get encouraged. Go encourage somebody else. And we need to hear this too. So please forgive me. It ain't all about you. And I know I said it ain't because it ain't all about me either. It's about the Lord. It's about gospel. the gospel. It's about other people. Then the, considering the heart of the Great Commission, let me mention to you number four. The heart of the Great Commission is willing to invest. We consider the three-part commission that Christ gave. You know it by now, to win the lost. To, if you're here this morning, you're visiting or you've been visiting, the number one priority on the heart of this pastor is for you to know that you're saved. For you to know that you're on your way to heaven. For you to know that if you slipped into eternity today, you would, you would be in the presence of the Savior. And you would not have the same fate as that rich man that the Bible tells us about. He lifted up his eyes in torments because he lifted his eyes in hell. That's the number one thing on my heart this morning. Well, if you've been saved, it's my desire, and the desire for you as a, those of you that are members of the Emmanuel Baptist Church is to grow in your faith, to grow as a Christian. Because it is in that growth that you have victories over things that you never thought you could have victory over. It's in that growth that you can, you can get to a, a place of service that you never thought that you could serve. It's in that growth that you can be used in a way to be a help and a blessing to somebody else and the people around us. But every aspect of that Great Commission, we must have the heart of the Great Commission, and that is a heart that is willing to invest. So, Pastor, what are we talking about when we talk about investment? All of us should be willing to invest in prayer. You know, you could, everybody in here can invest in prayer. I appreciate those who pray for me, pray for me as I preach. I appreciate that. That's an investment. I appreciate the prayers of God's people. You know, everybody in here can pray every Sunday morning, Lord, if there's somebody lost today. Would you prepare their heart now to hear the gospel? Would you keep all distractions away so that when the time comes for them to make that decision, do I choose to put my faith in Christ or do I reject the price that he's paid? Their heart would be tender to the gospel. We have a prayer list that we go over in Sunday school. We have a church prayer list as well. We all know of somebody who's lost that's on a prayer list. You know, you can pray for them to 
soften their heart to the gospel. We can pray for the missionaries that are out of our church. We can pray for those who are uh, busy and as some will preach the gospel later today. We could invest in prayer. We have a heart for the Great Commission is willing to invest in time. Invest in time. You know, it takes time for us to slow down and notice people around us. I described just a moment ago, maybe it'd make a difference if we would go and try and be nice to that neighbor who's mean to everybody. And if you can't think of a neighbor that's mean to everybody, then you're the neighbor that's mean to everybody. (laughs) So if everybody on your street shows up at your house this week, they got the point of this message. It takes time. It takes time to go back to somebody that you led to Christ. So would you come to church with me this week? It takes time to write a no to, as fast as some can text, it still takes time to do that. It takes time to let people know that you care. We don't know how much time we have left, but all of us have some time. And I can't think of a greater thing to use our time for than to fulfill the Great Commission. Because I'm reminded that the Lord also taught His disciples that the only thing that lasts is that which lasts for eternity. And too many times we're building up treasures for us down here Uh, that are going to decay and they're going to go away and there's nobody taking any of it with us. It's the treasures that are laid up in heaven. Those are the things that last for an eternity. It takes time. Are you willing to take some time to make a difference in the heart of somebody else? You're going to take some time to invite somebody to church. Take some time to say, would you be my guest? You know what it takes time to the new visitor in your area, somebody, somebody coming to your in where you sit, and it's like, you know, how are you doing? You know, it takes time to say, you know, what's your name? Introduce yourself. Be a friend. Believe it or not, Christians need encouragement. It takes time to say, you know, I'm going to encourage somebody this week. I'm going to make a point to be an encouragement. Now, We've got too many that are in the ministry of discouragement. We approach and say, hey, I've got problems. You want to hear about them? No, they don't. But, oh, it makes a difference if we make a point to encourage. Everybody's got burdens. Everybody's got heartaches. I look around the building this morning, and there are heartaches that are in here that nobody knows about. The ones I know about are big enough. Be amazed what a kind word. Let you know I'm praying for you. You know, we see, we've, the Lord's blessed us. We've seen so many people trust Christ this year. We've seen so many people come to church for the first time. And boy, you, you get excited about that and you think about that. And you, but we've got to understand when that. When that person puts their faith in Christ and become that new creature, their, their soul is secure, their eternity is secure. 
But make no mistake, the adversary is still going to fight against them. The devil knows their soul is lost. He can never take it to hell with him, but he doesn't want to see them grow. He doesn't want to see them discipled so that they don't win anybody else. And every dad that gets saved, we must realize that there's there's others that live in that home that may need the gospel. And every family that needs to grow, it just makes sense. Every father here, your children are still in your house. You'll be a better father the closer you get to Christ. You'll be a better mother the closer you get to Christ. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. Your family is better off. And that's what we as the church should understand, not just in our own home. We want to be a help to somebody else. We want to be an encouragement to somebody else as they grow. But it takes some time. There's a lot of accusations against God's church, but when the accusation is made that the church is selfish, generally that's true. It's not selfish in ways that some would say, but we're just slow to give our time. And he's willing to invest, the heart of the Great Commission, willing to invest money. He knew I'd get there. There's missionaries that have already preached the gospel on other continents today. There's Christians who were willing to give money so that they could. Are we willing to invest in someone else? What we live in, I know, I know where inflation's at. I know the, the mess that our government is in. But we still live in prosperous times. And you hear this all the time from these money-making gurus and all these people. You must invest in yourself. I'm not saying you you neglect things. I'm not saying you don't ever take time to to, to pay attention to what you may need. But it's all about you've got to invest in yourself. This Bible will tell us that we must invest in others. That we must invest our time and invest our, 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 our compassion, our prayers, and all the things that are necessary. See, if we just, we should just obey the Great Commission because Christ commands it. What will help us take it further than our own abilities if we understand the heart? For God so loved. Remember the first time somebody told you God loved you? Perhaps you didn't understand the weight of it, but you probably do today. Do you realize there's people on this planet that have never been told that God loves them? They've never been told that. They've never been told that God loved them so much that he sent his son. There's, there's not a greater story that can be told. That Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, lived a sinless life. The, the, the physical suffering he endured as he went to Calvary, as he paid for man's sin debt, Paid his payment in hell so that you and I could have salvation. Do you realize there are people who've never been told that? 
Even in the United States of America, we celebrate Christmas, the birth of the Savior, but they don't know why he came. Even the, well, it's Easter, and even if we do get the bunny out of the way, it's, well, it's Easter, he rose from the dead. They don't know why he died. Well, everybody deserves to be told, God loves you. And God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Well, Pastor, we, we live in a, hey, we do. Our nation is divided, and I don't know if it'll ever change. If it's ever changed... It'll be changed because God's people got the heart of the Great Commission. And they got a little compassion. I love, I, I, I love, I love my fellow man. But if he's going to go this way or do this way, he can just suffer the consequences. And consequences are there. Shouldn't we have a little sympathy? Some compassion? I'll conclude with this. Christian, when's the last time your heart was so moved that you shed a tear for somebody you didn't know? That sounds odd. Let me put it this way. When's the last time you were so moved that there were people on this planet who've never heard that Jesus died for them? They will draw their last breath and never have heard what you and I have heard. Now, I, I don't have time to go into it, but I believe every man that lives, they, they're aware that there's a God. There's a, they're aware of those things, and they could reject that. Friend, you and I, we have more Bibles on our shelf than some countries have. Boy, the thought of the plight of man without Christ. The church needs a revival of a lot of things. The church needs a revival of the heart of the Great Commission. We'll go to the invitation in just a moment. I want to, once again, make a plea to anyone who may not have got their salvation settled. Know for certain your sins of sin. I'm not asking you to become a Baptist this morning. I'm just asking you to, have you ever put your faith and trust in Christ? Being a Baptist won't save you. Being a Catholic won't save you. No matter what tag you want to put, it will not save you. Only through Christ can you be saved. And for those of us who are saved, church... Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Well, if we're going to have the heart of the Great Commission, we're going to have to do some things on purpose. May be challenged to do so. Father, I pray you'll use your word this morning. May the Spirit of God